All right, we are live. I've got a good one for you. Matt Malloy from Chomps. This is Sales Series Episode 7. We jam right into this. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. This is going to be sales-focused, just like uh, the last six episodes of Sales Series. For all those watching, CPG, maybe not in CPG, there's going to be some gems in here. I guarantee it. Because if you don't know Chomps, you better. Uh, Matt, let's go into a deck. Okay. Give us your sales deck. What does it look like and why is it framed that way? Yeah, so I would, I would even go one step further back. We've got kind of a sales library. So we've spent the last year of kind of building this sales library. And um, really over the last year, put a ton of focus and attention into data. And we've, we've got some super talented people on the team. So when you think about it, we've got this kind of sales library. And from that sales library, depending on where the data is leading you, is kind of how you put that sales deck together. So the initial upfront, obviously, the, the founding story, I mean, Pete and Rashid looking for healthy snacks for, you know, that they would feel comfortable feeding their kids. And then we go from, from that kind of setup slide to some points of differentiation. What makes us different? Why, you get that question a lot. Why chumps, right? There are other meat snacks out there. Why chumps? So we get into what makes us a little bit different. We talk through the shopper profile, the true consumer. And then we connect that back to a retailer of what does that unique consumer that buys chumps, what will that mean to them in their category? And then you start talking through some category data and essentially what can you get out of that little bit unique shopper that buys chomps? That's a great answer. Um, for, for many who are, are starting or emerging even, there isn't access to data, but this is gonna be really important um, that not only I touch on it, if we don't have data, all those out there, I don't have data yet, we're too early. What would you say is important walking into a sales meeting or in this case, you're having it over Zoom nowadays, what do you think are key pieces to your presentation that are outside of data? Give us like your two main focus points. And, and I would argue that a little bit for data even, like you, you may not have syndicated data, you may not have numerator data, you may not have some of these like established data points, but it doesn't mean you don't have data, right? Like at the end of the day, a number, a data number represents a person's actions in a store. Right, like at the end of the day, if you have exclusivity, household penetration, all those numbers are great, but they they reflect. Mark, if you go into the store and pick up a chomps or pick up two chomps, it's calculating that and putting those into those numbers. So get into the store, start looking at your product, talk to people. Like one of the most amazing things to do is go into the aisle and talk to somebody buying your product. They'll tell you why they're buying their product. They'll tell you how often they buy the product, and you can get a pretty good feel for like, hey, here's who's buying our product. Here's how they're buying our product. And you may have to use it a little more anecdotally than you can, you know, quoting and citing a, a, a agreed upon source. But that doesn't mean you can't get data. Retailers, a lot of your retail partners, they'll give you the data as well. They'll say, hey, you're selling units per store per week in, in these three stores or those four stores. And you can take that story and extrapolate it out across all these different opportunities. Let's talk about what you did before this. Uh, where were you before Chomps? Uh, so a little bit of a weird path. Um, I spent 10 years, at, I grew up in Michigan. I spent 10 years at Kellogg company and I bounced around a bit, Columbus, Minneapolis, Tampa, then went to Smuckers and, um, and Cleveland and then, and Cincinnati, which is what we've kind of made home now for my family. I've got a couple of young kids and 
we're starting to put down some roots, which has been pretty fun. So really classically trained. I've sold some big brands um, and it's been so much fun though, to get, get into this kind of startup mentality, that, that ownership kind of general manager mentality where you really, you're, you're driving that ship and, and really ownership in what you're doing. Uh, Kellogg's and Smuckers. Yes, we've heard of them. Uh, and then the, the term classically trained, um, I've heard that one too. Now though that you are in, I, you know, Chomps has been around for a few years, but it's still a startup mentality. And again, I, for, for those that don't know, you know, Chomps is, is a decent sized business today. Um, I, I get a little bit of, of inside information. Uh, shout out Pete and Rashid. Um, but as far as keeping with that mentality, uh, and again, just, just value add, how do you stay within that, right? You, how, do you, how do you keep focus selling and trying to remain small, right? The mindset is small so that you're aggressive, that you really <laughs> desire to, to you know, activate a new account. Where, where does that come from? And sort of how do you put that into your playbook? Yeah. So, so a lot of it just comes from the hustle, right. And that, that just drive to go win. And the, the big difference, the, the fundamentals are really the same, whether it's a, whether it's, we're getting three or four um, chomps meat snacks in, or you're selling Folgers coffee or Jif, Jif peanut butter or frosted flakes, the mechanics are, are often the same. The, the volume at the end of the day, right. It's not 40 bazillion dollars of, of frosted flakes, but the mechanics are still very much the same. So it's, it's how do you go and create value, right? Like we talked a little bit about the deck and, and when you start thinking about getting in front of anybody that wants to be a partner with you, specifically for us retailers, right? How do you create value for them? How, do, how is something that we're doing creating this value? And for them, like how are they helping create value in their category? And you, know, you, you wanna stand out in the market, you wanna have the best offerings and you, and you want to really show that value. And we do that a lot through exclusivity. We do that a lot from like, just bring, we're 75% female shopper. Um, we bring a very unique shopper to the jerky category. That isn't a stat that matters in the whole world of things, but it is when you compare it to a category that's very male dominated, right? That's what ends up driving that exclusivity for us and, and, and bringing all of that value to a retail partner through Chomps. Value uh, is an amazing word. And um, there's some stuff I'm going to pull out of there. First off, uh, shout out uh, Tony the Tiger. I don't know why he keeps coming up. Uh, I'm a fan. We don't eat it at the house, but I, I just have my own thing. And I always talk about Tony the Tiger and Kellogg's. People don't understand just about like the brand identity of it. This is such a tangent. I'm just going to say it again. Like, <laughs> Tony the Tiger, it makes you feel good, right? Doesn't every brand aspire to do that? That is when you have the emotional connection with the consumer and, and your sales start generating, right? And could potentially be through the roof. Yeah. Shout out Tony the Tiger. Sorry I had to do that one more time. <laughs> um, uh, stay away from sugar, kids. Um, <laughs> let's go back to the value add. And there's some pieces in there that I want to pull out. You walk into a retailer and there are other meat sticks and let's be talk generically. Also, there's other jerky. It's kind of like, you know, they, they want to talk it in the same breath. I know mm -hmm. some other brands out there. Some of them have been around and some are newer and are great and in the way that they're you know, formatted names and the like. You've got to go in there and say something different. 
than just we're better than these other four, right? They're on your deck. There's that one page and you're like, here's why we're better, right? We're organic, you know, like for us, we're organic. We're, but you want to be able to say something that has to do with, we're not going to go cannibalize your other brands in the set. Yes, we're going to take some sales from this one and that one. That's just how the lay of the lamb. But there's something to be said about not only bringing in your customer, but bringing and driving up the sales in that category that weren't there before. Talk on that for a second. There's really only two ways you can grow a category, right? You either grow a category through through incrementality or you grow it through trade-up. So either, either the, your same number of consumers are willing to spend more money for the products that they're buying. They either buy more products outright or you bring in completely new shoppers who weren't shopping that category before. We fall firmly into kind of two of those three places, right? Our actually all three. Our velocities are really good in the right in the right conditions. They they just absolutely crank. We're we're a little bit of a higher price because of the premium products that we put in there, the sourcing, everything that we do from a quality control, um, and, and then we bring in a little bit of a uniquely different shopper profile. So when and I think you set it up so well. When we start talking to a retailer, the first thing we do, and we and again, it's it's in the deck a little bit. Um, depending on how we're dancing and where we're, where the conversation's going. Um, but we, we try to set up that consumer first because everything really does start with that consumer, right? Is the person that's walking in there and pulling that, that product off the shelf is our consumer. And then the more you understand about that person, that transaction, that event, the easier it is to relate that to a retailer for value, right? So the unique part for Chumps is, we are, we are so female forward in a category that's very male forward. So our, I mean, when you have to talk about exclusivity, so we've got some numbers, 60% of our business, we're at a 60% loyalty rate. To say that another way, six out of 10 people will walk out of a retailer store before they buy another product, not chomps. Like that's, a, that's an insane number when you, can, when you can talk through some of that, but it comes from that uniquely different shopper profile. We're not sourcing that from a, from a Slim Jim or from a, from a Jack Lynx. We're bringing a new shopper in who, who is healthier, has a, has a better mindset around sourcing ingredients, cares about sustainability, humanity, that cares about you know, paying a little bit more of a premium to get the right products in the things that they're going to consume. And then we tell kind of that overall category story too of you have to have this, the Slim Jim and Jack Links of the world too. You have to continue to drive that base in your store and then unlock all of this incrementality with, with a brand like Chomps. Really well said. Oh, there's some gems in there. I'm going to grab something that you said, which was a little, a little dance. I don't know what I'm doing right now, but it feels right. It feels right. That was, yeah. sorry. Um, let's talk about that dance. I think we're talking sales rep to buyer back and forth with which I assume when you're dancing, you better be listening to the music. And what I mean by that is stop talking as much as possible so that there's some sort of feedback in which you can transact to, right? 
Yeah. Walk us through that. What, what you, you're kind of calm and cool. I love this. Like I knew that that was your vibe. Like, can you imagine me? That's why I can't do it. We have a head of sales. Like I'm too much, man. I'm, I'm too, I, there, it's too, I'm too passionate, right. About our why. And, and I'm aware of that. Right. I'll scare somebody. Like it's just too much. Right. <laughs> um, anyways, <laughs> I, I don't know if it can be too much. Honestly, <laughs> I, they're, they're, no, but that's a that's a very real thing because the passion has to come out in, in anything that you're doing, right? You, you talk about the you said the why, but there, there's a why to everything that we're doing, right? Like each of our organizations are kind of a loosely conglomerated group of people mm-hmm. that are chasing after the same goals, right? Like that's how you put an organization together. It's how you win. So when you think about like what is that dance, and it's an innately a ton of listening, but it, it's, it's even that step further of like hearing, right? Listening for understanding. If you're in a really great meeting, a lot of times you're lobbing that ball back and forth at each other. Like you're, you're playing to rally a little bit, right? A really, really savvy, great category manager will lob you something to go hit or not hit. And, you know, you, you usually get a, a great indication in a meeting. If, if a category manager or a buyer says, hey, Matt, have you guys thought of this? Now we're in that place where we're talking about really creating value. And, and the answer sometimes is, yes, we've thought about it and it works or doesn't work. Sometimes the answer is, no, we've never thought about it. We should probably take a look at it. What do you think the opportunity could be? Um, and, and it's that dance of, of kind of there. Nobody's quite sure yet, right? Especially when you get into those first meetings. It's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a lot of dating analogies, but you've got to kind of feed back off of each other and say, okay, we're, we're, we're looking for a higher ring. We're looking for, in our scenario, we run into to some common theme of we don't, we don't merchandise the way that you guys would be optimal in this category. How do we get around that hurdle? And that's when you can start talking through all the different options you have to bring the, the right merchandising vehicle to their category without changing the world. Whew. Volleys, we were talking tennis there for a second. Then he went into dating. Remember that when you were trying to, you know, court that guy or gal? Remember that one? Yeah, I remember. Uh, I was never good at that. Um, <laughs> let's close this out because this is, I keep it short. And it's such, uh, this is so good. You can see me. I'm like I'm immersed in this. I love this series. Um, what do you think are going to be the most important pieces to the sales element in 21 that you're most focused on and that you think others should be too? Man, that's so great. We're, we're building all of our initiatives right now. I, I would love to say I, I'm, I'm you know, clairvoyant and have what the future looks like. I think the, the, the biggest thing we've been talking about as a team is flexibility and, and like the ability to go now, go a little later, go fast, go a little bit slower, depending on where, I mean, the, the biggest unknown is if there's this big second surge, which it, it, it looks like we're in some of that second surge, how quickly does, um, you know, how quickly do we get out of some lockdowns? It, it, retailers are going to have to respond to how consumers are responding. And we're in a scenario right now where we've got, you know, a, a dozen plus category reviews coming up because everything shut down so much early on and now it's opening back up. So there's so much excitement and so much opportunity. I would say the the biggest thing is remain flexible, like put your best plans out there, put your goals out there, know that, you know, if you're selling to a retailer, you're still going to be beholden a bit to their reset calendar to when they're going to review their categories. 
if they have to pull resources off of category resets just to get product on shelves, that was a very real dynamic through much of spring into early summer last year where retailers were struggling to, to keep up with the demand and you couldn't do all of the extra value add things because you had to deliver right there on the shelf with what you already had. So it's, it's like setting up these great plans, understanding we're gonna be coming out of it, but having the patience to work through it as it comes. Matt Malloy, Chomps, you nailed it. Uh, value add for sure. I appreciate having you on. Be Thank well. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.